Welcome to Warehouse. My name is Ashley Flowers. I'm a member here. And um, hey, if you don't know your way around the building, let me help you out a little bit. We've got coffee, water, tea, things like that over this way, as well as some restrooms. And then over this way is Kids Warehouse with some additional restrooms. And if you're new to Warehouse, you might want to know Warehouse purpose is to cultivate missional followers of Jesus, which is a high task. But that is what we are about here at Warehouse. We are rooted in West Charlotte, but we are a church collective, meaning that no matter where you came from, no matter where you drove in from, the Reinhardts all the way up in Davidson, people all the way down in Fort Mill, we are glad that you are here with us this morning. I want to celebrate for a moment what happened here yesterday. It was a kind of spring cleaning project called um, Building Beautiful. We've got a picture of some of the projects that were done. Um, And I want to just tell you, there are some new murals over in Kids Warehouse. And if you haven't seen them, they are worth taking a look in person. And I want to give a little bit of honorable mention here. So Kimberly McGuire was sort of the brainchild behind a lot of what was going on over there. Kristen Randalls, Caitlin King, we are so thankful for you. And then even in the pictures, you can see some of our students did the hand lettering on some of the walls. So well done to you all. We are grateful for that. I'd like to let you know about some uh, key opportunities for you to engage with this community. Um, Believe it or not, Good Friday is coming up really quickly. So Friday, April 19th is our Tenebrae service where we're going to reflect on the death of Jesus and even think through creatively um, Jesus' seven last words on the cross. There will be um, a children's program, infants through fifth grade, that they'll get to participate in. So that is Friday, April 19th. And then on Sunday is Easter. Believe it or not, it is here, and um, we are excited to celebrate Easter with you. After the service, we're going to do a church-wide picnic up at Nevin Park. And so bring your own lunch, bring blankets, yard games, your whole house, whatever you want to make you feel comfortable. Um, We are excited to see you there after the service on Sunday. Uh, We are currently in a series called Listen. It's been based on the seven letters that the Apostle John wrote in the book of Revelation to seven different churches. And this morning, Wes is going to be covering the letter to Sardis. And he's going to be tackling this idea of listening for authenticity. And so now we're going to get to experience a lament. And it is a song that we're going to listen to by Lone Bellow called Deeper in the Water. And this song resonates with a lot of us. And it's it's this idea of trying to build your reputation and then reconciling that with reality and then realizing the gap that kind of stands in between what you've tried to build and what's really real. And so go ahead and take a listen. And again, welcome to Warehouse. Hey everybody, it's good to see you. Uh, I just want to reiterate what Ashley said and thank all of you who came out yesterday and, and just in general, lately I've been really blown away by seeing all of your gifts in action in all different places, whether it's the band, thank you guys, or 
coffee people or kids warehouse people or whatever it is. It's just really beautiful to see all of you pitching in and using your gifts and making this church go round as a community. So thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, confession, as I dive in to this today, I, I read this text earlier this week and was like, I don't want to teach on this. <laughs> I don't rarely have that moment, but like, this, is, this is hard. This passage to Sardis, this is no joke. Um, but we're going to go for it and um, show each other grace as we wrestle with uh, a pretty tough topic. The series is called Listen because there's this important refrain in each of the seven letters that we're looking at in Revelation 2 and 3. And the refrain is, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's what we're seeking to do in this season. And we've been acknowledging the last four or five weeks that listening's tough. We don't listen well. We, um, we hear a lot of things. There's a lot of noise in our lives. But, and because of that, we've gotten really good at selective listening. In the podcast age, we're good at curating what we want to hear and the things that we're listening to, but we struggle with, with being attentive to what we need to hear. And the pattern that we've seen in these letters of what we need to hear are these three things. We need to hear affirmation, we need to hear confrontation, and then promise. What if we really listened to the Spirit and we didn't brush off affirmation? Or we didn't get defensive of the confrontation. I struggle with that one a lot. Or remain skeptical of the promises. What if? What if we really heard these things? What kind of transformation is actually in store for us if we genuinely listened and responded instead of deflecting or dodging or doubting? So here we are at the letter to Sardis in Revelation 3. This is going to invite us to listen to this gap between reputation and reality, to listen for authenticity and integrity. And and the letter begins with a description of the one who is speaking, the one who has been speaking this whole vision to John and who demands our attention. Look at that in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis writes, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Well, in all of Revelation, and particularly these letters, we see really clearly that the one speaking is the risen Christ. The one who is before all things, the one who holds all things together. There's these descriptions of Jesus in Revelation as the ruler of creation, the author of life, the king of kings, the second person of the Trinity. This is the one who's speaking these words to us, the one who has complete sovereignty over the world, complete sovereignty over our lives, and therefore demands our attention. Whatever affirmation or confrontation or promise that we need to hear today, it's going to be because of our connection or lack of connection with this one who holds the churches, who holds the spirit of the churches and the messengers of the churches in his hands. Now, rather than beginning with affirmation, this is what most of the letters does. It said, I see all these good things going on. This one just skips right over that and goes directly to the confrontation and doesn't mince words. Here it is, last half of verse 1. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. 
Literally in the Greek, it's you have a name for being alive, but in fact, you are dead. So here's what's going on. The church in Sardis, and Sardis, by the way, is one of the the main towns and churches in ancient uh, Asia. This is modern-day Western Turkey. Sardis is right in the middle of all these churches that Jesus, through John, is writing to. Well, the church in Sardis was big. It was known. It had made a name for itself. It was a big church. It was a church everyone was talking about. It was a popular church. People would see the logo of that church and think, man, they have got it going on. They've got church figured out. They know how to do this. But in reality, if you dug down deeper, there was a toxic culture. There was, there was death underneath the surface. There was this gap between their reputation, the name that the church had, and the reality. And we don't often realize that gap until it's, it's upon us. Like, what do you think of when you see this famous logo? What comes to your mind? Shout it out. Well, Facebook, yeah, but what, what's your association with this, with this logo? Privacy facade. They'll sell your soul. No. Well, so Facebook launched right when I was graduating from college, so you can date me there. I'm an elder millennial. Uh, and uh, it, when, when Facebook launched, this was the gift of technology for us. I mean, this was networking. This was staying connected to each other's lives post-college. This was sharing ideas, keeping up. You know, this is, this is awesome. Uh, but what was going on inside the company, as we now know, was different. Anyone know the, the original motto or, or, or uh, slogan of Facebook? Anybody? Move fast and break things. Yeah. Yeah, and they did. They broke things. Uh, they broke rules about privacy and other things. But, you know, I was thinking about that as we witness more and more scandals, whether it's Facebook or Wells Fargo or Volkswagen, and we think, shame on them, right? They should have known better. They should have been more authentic. They should have been, had more integrity. So I'm deleting my account. I'm never banking with Wells Fargo again, or I'm never buying a Volkswagen or whatever. We have these reactions. We, we judge them, I think, sometimes rightly. And I've had to realize it's really easy to heap judgment on people or companies or whatever when we see that disconnect between reputation and reality. It's a lot harder to bring the examination back toward home and to say, where is that gap here? Uh, where is that gap in, in, with my people in, in my life? And to do, do that real work of examination. Some of you are familiar with the history of Warehouse 242. You can see our beautiful original logo. Why don't you put that up there? Yeah! <laughs> A church for the center city was our original tagline. Um, some of you aren't aware, so let me give you the highlights. We're 20 years old as a church. We, were plan- or we will be in September. We're going to have a big party, by the way, in September, so more details on that coming. We were launched out of Forest Hill back when it was an evangelical Presbyterian church before it went non-denominational. Uh, and guys, we were the big name church in town. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> And this is before Elevation, this is before Mecklenburg Community Church got huge, this is before Forest Hill, you know, went non-denominational and lots of satellite campuses and whatnot. 
Warehouse 242 was the talk of the town, and not only the town, but like in the nation. Publications were writing about Warehouse. Uh, we were lifted up as this example of, of how to do church in a new way, an emerging church. I found a snippet from a news article in 2000. It says, Warehouse 242, a dynamic new faith community for the postmodern culture of Charlotte has been named one of America's outstanding Protestant churches as a result of a national search for cultural excellence. Pretty awesome. A search looked for churches that nurtured the Spirit, welcomed and yet challenged, both preached and, more importantly, lived the good news. So this is back around 2000. We had 600 people showing up on a Sunday at the Grady Cole Center. Uh, how many of you were there, by the way? This is, this is going to be fun. Whoa! Seriously, that's awesome. Some of you might even be in this photo. Oh, yeah. Let's see. We've got Barry Cutshaw. We've got Kelly Summerow. Wow, this is hard to do. Kim Summerow. Who else, were you? Who else is here? That I'm, there, Mark Dickman is hiding in the back. Uh, all kinds of people that we love still uh, in that photo. Anyone else recognize? I just need to keep that up for a while. You guys who are listening to this on the recording are really missing out right now. This is a sweet photo. So there you are. We, were, we had a reputation as a church here at the beginning as, as one of the most vibrant, relevant, fastest growing churches, not just in Charlotte, but in the entire nation. That was our reputation. Underneath that, there was some really deadly stuff going on. Like, I mean, really deadly. Uh, our lead pastor was involved in destructive patterns uh, and while things looked great on the outside, underneath the surface, things were spiraling out of control. And they kept spiraling, and then it crashed. And our pastor ended up in jail for charges of assault. And the church could have folded. That, that could have been it. That crash, when reputation met reality, could have ended the church. Uh, Kurt, I think you were the one who led us through that, that next morning, right? When... Or that weekend, you had to get up on stage and say, here's what's going on. This is reality. We may have this reputation, but this is reality. And some left, you know, feeling confused and betrayed. But many stayed. That was a lot of hands that were just raised right there. Um, Because the leadership decided, Kurt, others, decided to confront uh, that gap between reputation and reality and to name the fact that that is where we meet Jesus. That is why we need Jesus, because there's always going to be a gap between reputation and reality. Like we are, we have an amazing reputation in the eyes of God as Christians, but we struggle, right? We continue to fail. There's, there's always that gap. It's why we need Jesus. It's why we embrace the love of Jesus and any opportunity then to close the gap by the Spirit between reputation and reality. Now, that was 18 years ago. Uh, we cannot stop listening. We cannot let our guard down with this. What the Spirit is saying through this letter, it's important for us to hear, to keep listening for authenticity, listening to that gap between reputation and reality, and be prepared to meet Jesus there in all of the beauty of that and all of the uncomfortableness of that. Look at our, our current logo. It's changed a little bit. I like this one. 
Uh, and I love the reputation that we have in Charlotte. I really do. Um, we have these shirts. Anyone wearing the For the Queen City shirt out there? I think I saw a few this morning. <laughs> Stand up, why don't you guys, and model our For the Queen City shirt. Yay! Um, Matt Olin, he's the co-founder of Charlotte is Creative, and host of Creative Mornings. He was recently interviewed for the American Airlines in-flight magazine. Check this out. He's got our shirt on there in the background. Has, you can barely see like Warehouse 242 under there. So this is absolutely our name in the city. It's super encouraging. People know us as a church for the Queen City, a church that has honest conversations and creative expressions of faith. I am so grateful for that. I'm grateful to be a part of it. I think it's really beautiful. But here's the thing. If we're listening, we need to keep listening. What is the Spirit saying? We need to be attentive to the fact that we could be a church for the Queen City while not submitting every part of our life to the King of Kings. That gap is real. Uh, If we're honest, we all have to own that gap. I have to own it. You have to own it. It's always going to be there to a certain extent, but let's listen. What is the Spirit saying to us? I'm I'm not saying this is a a problem for all of us or our church as a whole. I'm saying is we need to keep paying attention to what the Spirit is saying and revealing about our lives, to be watchful and vigilant and honest. Because as I was thinking through our core commitments, truth creativity, justice, missional community. I heard very clearly that we need to listen because we could have a reputation for being a church for truth while not embracing the truth of Jesus in its fullness in our lives. We could have a reputation for being a church for justice while not truly embracing lifestyles of justice. We could have a reputation for being a church for creativity while not coaxing out the the gifts of creativity among our own people. We could have a a reputation for being a church for community while not making it very easy to belong. So if we're listening, we need to be honest. Say, this is where we're struggling. This is reality. How are we going to meet Jesus there? How is the Spirit going to lead us to close that gap? And another thing that struck me is that when there's this gap between reputation and reality, and and the reputation's really, really good, it's often because we just care too much about the reputation. Care too much about our reputation versus the reputation of Jesus himself, who's who's the head of the church, and how God sees us as his dearly loved children. And I think that's true for our church. I think it's true for, for me, for you. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to have a good reputation, right? It's, a, it's good to be known as, as a beautiful uh, church or person, but we are not following Jesus to make a name for ourselves. That is not what this journey is about. We're not meant to make a name for Warehouse 242 or West Vanderlucht or Jen or whoever. Um, we're in this journey together to make a name for Jesus because it's his reputation that matters in this world. That's why the church exists, to make much of Jesus. And so if people think Warehouse 242 is a great church, praise God, right? Well, let's quickly help them see that it's because we serve a great God, not because we're so awesome at doing church. We serve an awesome God. If I have any positive reputation as a lead pastor of Warehouse 242, I'm grateful for that. 
but I pray that I can quickly point people to Jesus. I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. So he must increase. I must decrease. And that's true for all of you. The, the vocation of a Christian, whatever you do for your days, whatever your life looks like, is to make much of Jesus so that he would increase and you would decrease. That your mission is to make much of him. So when we focus on making a name or maintaining a reputation, I think that's often when that gap begins to appear. And that, that gap in and of itself is a dangerous thing, but it's also an exhausting thing. Can we name that this morning? <laughs> that's why I love that lament song so much this morning. Is, um, there's these words, I'm breaking my back to make a name. Every man here does the same I'd like to think I'm a survivor, but my bones are getting tired. My skin is getting tired, another line said. Like, yeah, it's, it's exhausting to try to maintain some kind of reputation, especially when it doesn't match what's really going on in your heart or, or in your life. So I think it's, it's time for us to, to name that. You know, a lot of us struggle with this, I think maybe in different areas of life. Um, maybe you're trying to make a name for yourself in your career. Maybe it's in public life. Maybe it's among your team at work or even among your friends. You're, you're trying to push this reputation and develop this name, and it's just wearing you down. Um, I would love for you to, to come to grips this morning with just who you really are. Um, the glory of that, because God loves you, and the mess of that, because you're a mess, and that God loves you in that mess. Like that, it's such a liberating truth that you don't have to push a certain reputation that presents you differently than you are because God loves you as you are. I hope the Spirit really has your attention on that. Like personally, also for this church, what the Spirit is saying, because it's really helpful in this passage, we get some very practical action points to address that. So if we're listening, here's what to do. Uh, the passage tells us what to do. It's in verses 2 and 3. I'll read the whole thing first. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Let's take these one by one. The first one there, wake up. Um, or as businessman and Micro Max Dupree says, define reality. Okay, wake up, define reality. Don't live according to this reputation anymore. Wake up to reality. Realize the places in your life that you or others think are alive but are actually dead. And this could be anything. Perhaps others or even you think that you're a good husband, you need to wake up and define reality there. Perhaps that's you. Or perhaps others or even you think that you're generous, but you need to wake up and define reality. Or perhaps others or even you think that you have a vital relationship with Christ and you have to wake up and define reality. What is that? So if we don't do that, which I think often requires others 
to point those things out for us. So we need to have a certain vulnerability to say, can you help me to do that? Uh, if we don't do that, we're not going to make progress. But that's a really, really important step. Wake up. Second, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains. In other words, it's not too late. So go for it. The house of your life still has some good bones. I think that's what this is saying. Like there might be a leak in the roof or you might have a cracked foundation somewhere or, or really drafty windows, but it's not too late to do the work, to, to strengthen what remains. Or, or, or maybe you started the process of renovating a certain part of your life, but it was a lot of work and you just don't have the energy. The encouragement is pick it up again. Pick it up. This is, this is the most important work you could be doing, whether individually or as a church. We are unfinished houses, and there is so much work to do. But first, we need to wake up and define reality and then rely on the Spirit. Let's get to work. Third, remember what you have seen and heard. Remember, don't forget the very reason that you call yourself a Christian. Don't forget the basics Remember that Jesus came to live the life you couldn't live, to die in your place, and to rise again to give you new life. These things that have been passed on through generations and generations. Don't forget the good news that Jesus died to set you free into a new life, into a life where you're walking by the Spirit and experiencing uh, newness of life. Don't forget the unimaginably immense love that God has for you. Call that to mind every day. Don't forget the power that the Spirit has to transform your life and to help you do these things that He's calling us to do. Keep calling those things to mind and mulling them over. And then fourth, hold fast to it. I think a better translation here is guard it. It's like um, guard the, the good news of God. Guard everything you receive like a treasure. Um, because someone might steal it or... Uh, it, it's so valuable that you need to, you need to care for it. This is, this is the imagery. This is the idea. Surround yourself with good people that will help you guard it, that will help you remember these things and to live them out. In fact, if you are not meeting with a group of people to talk about your faith, to help guard the things that you've received from God, figure that out. <laughs> I don't know how to be more blunt. It is so important in our growth as Christians, to be meeting with people who will support us uh, through thick and thin and who will challenge us for all of the gaps between reputation and reality. I know it's tough to figure out in our crazy lives, believe me. (laughs) With three children, it's like, oh my word, I don't even have time to eat sometimes, let alone meet with people and talk about these things, but it is so critical. It could be a a long-term small group. It could be a, a cohort where we dive into issues, whatever it is, I would love you to, to find out how to make that happen. Um, and if you want some help, talk to me. Mike is out today, but uh, Jen McGee, Jen, where are you? Talk to Jen, community coordinator. She would love to help you find a way to plug in in that way. So hold fast to it, guard it. Let others uh, help you in that process. Spiritual vitality leaks. And so keep drawing near to the Spirit with others and asking for more. And then finally, it's really not, not the last action in a series of actions. The, the, the repent command is, is summarizing the whole thing. 
Um, the Greek word metanoia, it carries the sense of radical life reorientation. So I was going this way, and I'm turning around, and I'm going this way. And the idea for the church in Sardis was, you guys are going this way and following your reputation, whereas reality is going this way. So turn around, wake up, define reality, strengthen what remains, and move toward God. Quit trying to make a name for yourself. Reorient your life around honoring the name of Jesus. And in order to do that, you need to wake up, strengthen what remains, remember, hold fast, guard it. All right. I told you it was heavy. I told you it was tough. It's right out of the gate confrontation. Then it comes around to affirmation. It's a little more muted than the others, but it's there in verse 4. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. This is beautiful because throughout Scripture, this imagery of clothing is used to represent salvation, uh, God's righteousness, his, his holiness, both in a passive sense and an active sense. So on the one hand, the clothing of salvation is a gift of God's grace. God clothes us in his righteousness as a result of his unfathomable love for us. This is all throughout scripture. Look at Isaiah 61.10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he, he has clothed me with garments of salvation. This is his work. He has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And it's the same today when we trust in Christ. A simple act of submission to Christ means that the Father clothes us in his righteousness. And that is how he sees us. Perfect, beautiful, solely based on his grace. So that is on the one hand what this clothing is like. But on the other hand, after receiving that clothing, we have a responsibility not to set it on the shelf, not to soil it, to put it on every day, to live within it in a way that honors Christ and matches our identity. And this is everywhere too, but look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul writes about this responsibility by saying, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, there's the gift, now the responsibility, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So God clothes us through Christ with all of those things, while at the same time, we need to rely on the Spirit to actively put them on every day, like putting on our clothes. Let's live this out. Let's live out this identity. So the affirmation to some in Sardis is that you're, you're doing this, right? You, you have been clothed with salvation and righteousness, and you have a commitment to put that on every day actively as you interact with each other and your neighbors. And your reality pretty much is your reputation. You are a Christian, a little Christ, which is uh, your new self and your new identity. And you're living that out. You're walking around in it. So keep doing it. Don't give up. Because what's coming is glorious. So that's, that's the promise we see in verse 5. Look at this. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So if you have received God's salvation clothes, and if you have a life of putting those on 
by the Spirit's power. They are yours forever. And not only that, but you will have this name and reputation as a righteous one in the only way that really matters, which is before the Father and his angels. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of us, but before the Father and his angels, we will have the name righteous one. I think it's beautiful because it's, it's circling back, right, from how the letter started, which is you have this certain name for being alive, but you're not. And the promise is you're going to have a name for being alive forever before the Father and his angels. So, and the point is here, it's Jesus who makes that name for, for us. We don't make that name for us. It, it's Jesus who brings us from death to life. It's Jesus who writes our name in the book of life, gives us a new name as the other letters have it. And then advocates for us and celebrates our name before the Father and his angels when the new age finally comes. So whoever has ears, let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So what are you hearing today? What, what part of this message really struck you today? It could be, I hope actually, that there are some of you in the room who are hearing I think I need to receive Christ because you haven't yet. You haven't said, I want my identity to be found in Christ. I want that name. I want that righteousness and salvation. That can be yours today. You can submit to Christ. You can say yes to Christ. You can receive that life. And I would encourage you, if you're at that moment, please let me know because I want to celebrate that with baptism and, you know, maybe not right away, I won't, you know, but I, I've actually been praying that we could have a baptism on Easter. And I am sensing that there is someone in this room who has not ever said yes to Christ. And perhaps, so perhaps it's you. Uh, pray about that, consider that. Or maybe you're hearing, maybe a lot of us are hearing that there's a gap between reputation and reality, and we need, we need to address it. I think if you're really listening, the word is don't ignore it, right? There, there's an element of waking up and defining reality, and then with others strengthening that, guarding that, holding fast. Uh, the, the way to, to do that is with others, so I, I will give you that encouragement again. If you don't have people who can help you define reality and remember and hold fast, um, find those people. Or maybe you heard that, you know, I think I've been trying to make a name for myself, and it's time to stop doing that and to focus on making a name for Jesus. And that might sound uh, kind of abstract and nebulous, but it's a pretty simple thing. It's about, for me, it's been about constantly remembering how much God loves me, receiving that love over and over again, and letting that motivate what I do. And so that if something good flows from that, I get to boast in Jesus, not look at what a good job I've done, you know? It's, it's starting with the love of God in Christ, letting that motivate you to do great things. So I hope you're listening. I hope that you will talk to someone about it today, whatever you're hearing, and make some of those specific commitments. So let's pray about that now as the Spirit continues to lead us. Spirit, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Give us strength to 
keep putting on the salvation clothes, which are a gift from you, and give us the courage to address the gaps. The gaps between reputation and reality, the gaps between uh, desire and action, whatever it is, God, reveal that to us. Uh, Give us strength to address it and give us opportunity, uh, having done that successfully, to boast in Jesus and to exalt in his name. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Warehouse 242 podcast. If you have any questions or want to find out more about Warehouse, visit warehouse242.org or come join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m at 2307 Wilkinson Boulevard in Charlotte. Thanks for listening.